Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we can get, yeah, we can get cracking into training. Uh, yeah. I think for me, that's where it all stems from. Uh, I love training. Like I, it is the thing I look forward to the most in my day, apart from, I'll say now she can probably hear, apart from my partner. Um, <laughs> cause she, <laughs> she can hear, she can hear me probably next door. Yeah. She's like, you better, yeah, talk, yeah. better talk about me. Um, but it's, it's something that, uh, is influenced a lot by social media. Um, and people are always, I guess, trying to find a shortcut or a, a new exercise or a cool way to do things, um, to get a result. And, you know, I've tried and tested different training methods, uh, on myself for the last decade. Um, I will preface to say, and, and so people know, look, I'm, I've put on 40 plus kilos of tissue in a decade, um, and extensively trained very hard for a decade, um, and understand, you know, how to get the best out of most people and how to get the best out of myself. I will say the way I approach training is how I enjoy it. Um, and I think I will start by saying the best way to adhere to something is find something that you enjoy doing. And that's how you're going to get the best results. Uh, it's the same with diet. It's the same with training. It's the same with work, anything you yeah. do. Yeah. Whatever you enjoy, I, you would adhere. You would adhere to. Yeah, I yeah. get the. We get that side on the business side quite a lot. They're kind of young entrepreneur types. They're always. I guess they ask me like, "Hey, man, I want to start a business." Blah blah blah. What tips? And it's just like, uh, "Dude, that is backwards. Um, do something you love, and if it's if it makes sense, that could be a translate into a business. But also, yeah, like, you know." Um, that's not the way to think about it. And it should be the same with, um, I, I agree on if you want to stick to a good training protocol or something, it's not never going to work if you don't love it because it's a long time. If you time don't yet. like it, it, it's so hard. It's so hard to, um, see. So there is no best, <laughs> there are better ways to approach training. Um, but there is no, this is the best in the, in what you must do. Um, again, it's all individual needs. Um, and what your training may involve in and what where you're trying to go with it. Now, uh, I love the stuff that Unbroken uh, Performance he, he puts out. It's really interesting to me. Definitely not something I would ever do. Um, the things he does doesn't align with my goals, um, but I can see the benefit of it. And for lifestyle people yeah. and people who are um, more on that athletic route, I like what he posts. I'm like, this, this stuff makes sense. So if you're interested in a lot of that stuff and the technical aspects of what he does, give him a follow and, and look what he does because it's, it's something that is not talked about enough. Um, it's something that people don't follow enough. Now, when we get into my training, um, we touched on it a bit. I have the approach of progressive overload. Um, and I use a modified push pull legs. Now, a lot of my training Scientology is based on, uh, history and what I've seen works best. Um, now, I like to use people who do not have the best genetics and have been able to turn what many may consider very me mediocre or, or wouldn't be good for bodybuilding into incredible. And you're going, yeah. wow, okay. And then what was that duration of period to get to there? Now, you may look at someone like Phil Heath, and a lot of people would know who he is. Uh, you can look at some photos of him playing basketball in 2002 or three. And then eight months later, stepping on stage in a bodybuilding show and looking like he's been training for a decade and he trained for like six months. I wouldn't listen to a word he says because yeah. that's a genetic freak. Yeah. Uh, he could look at a dumbbell and, and grow and I'd be like, okay, that's not going to work for me. Um, so for me, where my genetic advantages come, I would say is I am genetically very strong. I have always been strong. I get that from my father. Um, we touched on, like, when I was 18, I was able to bench press 150 kilos uh, comfortably. Now, I wasn't heavy. I was, like, 80-something kilos and able to do things like that. It's, that's probably my genetic advantage um, and then mindset and be able to take myself to places that people are, I guess, afraid. I, I like that fear. 
yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. fear for me is like the most enjoyable thing. So if I if I'm looking at like a deadlift and going, okay, I'm going to pull 320 kilos off the floor, the fear of it snapping my back or tearing something is there, but I love it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let, yeah, let's let's go for it. And it, it really gets me going uh, because I know it's an ego thing, but it's also a feeling of going, there's not many people that can do this. Logan, there's not many people. You, you can do things that people can't do. So let's just go for it. Yeah. Um, so those are probably my genetic advantages. I have a good advantage of building muscle. But when we break down training and go back to the route of like how I do things, I did like everyone uh, a high volume approach in the past. Um, I'm sure you would see people, they would do, I will call them bro splits where they may do chest on Monday, back on Tuesday, shoulders on Wednesday, legs on whatever, or they may not do legs at all. Uh, there are those people. That's the true, the true bro level is never doing yeah. legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chest and arms or charms, yeah. as some people like to call them. Um, but that's, that's what I, I used to do. Um, and then how I would approach it would be like pyramiding up. So... Let's say you're doing a dumbbell flat press, you would start with maybe 20 kilos, you'd do 12 reps, 30 kilos, 12 reps, 40 kilos, 12 reps, and then you'd be done. Um, I did that for years. And did I grow a little? Yeah, maybe. Um, But the mistake on that is when you look back on three years of progress, did I improve weights and numbers? No, I didn't. And it really, until I started looking at people like Dante Trudell and um, Jordan Peters and their approach, I was like, ah, energy management is more important than uh, just doing set after set after set and then going to another exercise and doing set. And, and you'll do like six exercises for chest and you're doing 20 sets and you're like, actually, okay, how many of those sets were actually hard? Uh, none. I'm just fatigued. <laughs> um, yeah. That that that's the the general sense, and that's all, you you see it all the time. You you look at people and you're going, you know, if you if you you reduce your volume in half, and actually took a set to failure, um, and put you to the point of going, oh, I cannot press this weight at all and complete a rep, then that's hard, and you're going to see results from that. So, uh, if we talk on like a a setup, I guess that's what if you want me to kind of go for a setup on like a, a chest day or a push day for me yeah, or yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so like a a push day for me again it's individual needs and like i looking at physique and going okay what do i need to improve um i will start on a low incline smith press uh for you know chest and that would for me i'm looking at two working sets uh max i mm. will not go more than that uh on that first exercise now the lead up to that could be four or five i'll call them feeder sets um but a feeder set to me would mean let's say i started with 20 kilos aside i may do 10 reps to feel it uh and then every incremental weight increase i'm reducing reps down so if i go to a 20 and a 10 i may only do five reps and then two 20s i'm gonna go two reps and then 320s, I'm going to go one or two reps because uh, it's energy, preserving energy to get to the weight I need to work at, and then I'm going to go to failure. The The mistake people make is they're doing what I would say their perceived failure on every set, and by the time they get to a, a weight that they want to uh, progress on or you're actually going to get benefit from, they're too fatigued, and they can't. Um, so that's really important. Like energy management is the most important. Now, how I manage that is I logbook everything and I'm tracking it every week. And I, I think when people hear progressive overload, another mistake they make is they go, I'm trying to put on weight every week. And that's not the case. Yeah. So, uh, for me, let's, if we strip it back by standardized form, form needs to be accurate every week. It needs to be the same. It cannot change. Um, then progressive overload can be two different things or, or three, depending on how you, how you look at it. It could be an increase of reps. It could be an, a, a better form or how you prefer, perform the movement was 
more accurate than the week before. You will know this from yeah. tempo and how you're moving the weight. Um, and then lastly, in, increase in, in weight. And, you know, for for better sake, the Smith Press, I've been using it. I haven't changed this exercise in a year. Mm. So every push session, and mind you, I do, this is push A, is the same movement for the last year. Now people go, well, that's crazy. Like, don't don't you need to shock the body and chain? No, there's no such thing as shocking the body. Uh, the thing you need to think about is creating a new novel stimulus. So a new novel stimulus to me is an increase in reps or an increase in weight. Um, now, that that's the basics of setup. And then it's under, getting people to understand what failure looks like. So every working set is to failure. There is no set where I do not take it to failure. But what does failure look like to people? Failure to me is where you, you cannot complete a rep fully. And you're, you've gone to that point of going, I cannot complete a rep. Now, what's beyond failure? Beyond failure would be hands on the bar. So someone supporting me and spotting me. Yeah. Uh, or then using extensions on the set. So you may do a drop set or you may yeah. do a rest pause set or you, you may add in these things. Now, the issue for those is the very hard to monitor and track because if someone's hands on bar and supporting me yeah. they may be helping more than last week yeah is it five kgs yeah. is it 10 kgs that they've taken off for you yeah um, so yeah. yeah and so i could have got three more reps but they could have helped 30 percent more so it's like okay <laughs> how many more reps did i actually get so under that nature is that something that you prefer to do not as much of because it's not as trackable yeah um there's an ego involved in where i like yeah. to do things myself uh i train with my my partner so she knows how to spot me very well uh she's tiny so it's funny when people see she's training with me and they go you know uh, she's but the spotter shouldn't need to be well. At least exactly, this, this, this is what people context. don't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is what people don't understand. It doesn't matter how, yeah. how big they are. It's uh, it's uh, their ability to understand cues and going. Okay, when do I need to be hands on? Uh, she can look at my face and go, I know when to touch. Um, yeah. and and then and give assistance. So, does it happen with me? Yes, it does. She does definitely spot and assist at times. Um, but what I would do, so if I was to track that on a logbook, I would, let's say I got 10 reps and I wanted to go beyond failure on that, I would do like a plus three beside it. So then I knew she helped with plus three reps. So then how would I train, change that for next week? I would aim for 11 unassisted and then she could assist after. So that, that way I'm, I'm knowing I'm, I'm progressing in some way. Um, now that for me is like the best way to approach trading. It's it's fun as well because I'm very competitive and what better way than trying to beat yourself? You know, it's yeah. uh, it's just you and you and you're just trying to be a little bit better than you were the week before. Now, there will be times where that's not going to happen. Your body will give you signs and you're going to know, okay, when do I need to deload and when do I need to, to back off a bit? Um, I have a different approach to deloading. Now, deloading to me is auto-regulated. So auto-regulated to others just means I do it when I need. So if I'm feeling great for three months, I'm not going to deload. Uh, it's, my body will give me signs. I will be you know, struggling to sleep. I'll be restless. I'll be tired during the day. Motivation will be low. Um, fatigue will be high that's when I'll start deloading. But, yeah, you know, if, you're, if, I'm, if I'm on a good run, I'm not going to go, okay, because it's week six, I'm going to start deloading now. That's, um, again, that's, uh, it's hard to say there will be people who will argue against what I said just then and say, yeah. no, no, you need to. Uh, but it's what I do. Um, I think um, so that's, we, could, yeah. we could point on a thing on that is that you are paying close attention for if you think deloading is appropriate. Would, would that be accurate? Deloading absolutely yeah. is appropriate. Yeah. 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 So, now, but yeah. it's, it's, it's not like you're saying, I just, I don't deload for three months. What you're saying is, uh, I won't 
forcibly interject a deload if I don't feel like I need it. And I think there's yeah. a big difference. And so for people that aren't as experienced, then there might be more yeah. application to forcibly put it you, in because they can't pay as yeah. much attention. I, th- I think it's important. It's great that you say that because, again, for people to know you're not me. So Yes, thank you. You, yeah. need, you need to get to that point of understanding your body before you can start auto-regulating training and your needs. So... Absolutely. When you're starting and um, and look, we, we can get into basics of starting how you should set up a, a split and how you should set up training soon. Mm-hmm. But when you're starting, absolutely regulate uh, your uh, deloads, put them in a plan. So then you are forced to do it um, because it's important. Like you, you, the problem is if you put yourself into a hole, it's hard to get out. And uh, when you get into those holes and those fatigues, fatigue is really high it affects everything in your life and you know gym for and training should be fun you should enjoy it you shouldn't be dreading going there and if you are there's science it's like oh yeah you know i need to so yeah. you know we how we approach deloading how i approach it is again different to how others approach it now other people may approach it with and this is the standard way is reducing weight and reducing weight across the week. So every exercise is a reduction in weight. So let's say you flat bench 100 kilos. This week you may only do 80 and you're just reducing weight. Now, how I approach it is reducing volume and total volume throughout the week. So if I did a push session and let's say I had two sets per exercise, I would reduce that to one working set per exercise. Now, that working set will still be to failure and it will still be the same weight. But if you think about it logically, I have now split, let's say I did 50 sets over a week, I've split that 50 down to 25. Absolutely, my body's going to recover and I'm going to feel better. There's it logic behind what I'm not putting as much workload in, into my, my training throughout the week. So that's how I do it. The reason why I do that is I don't like lifting light. I find it boring. So yeah. even though I'm deloading, I... I cannot get into the mindset of moving something that is 20% lighter than what I can do. It's yeah. It, and, and again, so yeah, I guess that's, that's one of those things where we feed in the, you're, you're trying to play to your strengths and that like one or strengths and weaknesses, your weaknesses that you might not train properly. If you go lighter whilst if if you do keep the weight on real heavy, you can kind of utilize that passion that you get from the feeling of weight, and yeah. therefore keep keep you on a good track. Yeah, and that's um, I think that's the sum of it is like it's what I enjoy doing. So yes, I see the benefit of deloading, but I'm not gonna have a detriment to what I enjoy forcibly and have to forcibly do something that I do not enjoy doing. So that would be my approach to a deload and then like in terms of a, a, a push a setup and how i how i approach things and why i don't do chest and and then shoulders on one day and then arms on another day is frequency is is for me is more important than total volume in one day i would rather get a, a, a head of muscle group more frequently over a week than wait for seven days because seven days to me it's far too long in between training sessions to create one new tissue and create a new novel stimulus and, and get a benefit out of it. Uh, again, you're, 99% of the people are not pro bodybuilders. They're not what you see on the end. And these guys here, or I, I'm sorry to say to them, but if you trained, like I'm, I would say to train, that would probably be better. Um, because, for for better sake, if you're looking at recovery, you really only need about thirty six to forty eight hours to yeah. to recover a month. Maybe a little bit longer, but you you know, and not saying that I'm going to hit a muscle group every two days, but for my sake, I do push A, pull, rest, push B, legs, repeat, mm. um, and then pull involves some leg movement, uh, primarily. Uh, hamstrings and and you know movement from there but it's a strong point of me so i'm not hitting as frequently as other areas that i i want to bring up so that's like a run of how i approach things a push setup for me 
is three exercises for chest, two for delts, two for triceps. Um, and that would be, you know, a push setup. Now, push B is a little different, where it would be three sets, uh, three exercises for delts, two for chest, and and so forth. So that's uh, kind of the little differences. But there, you can see, like for chest, I'm hitting up more frequently, and total yeah. volume of set uh, for, of exercises may be the same as what you did on one day. But because I'm fr- hitting it frequently it's getting more novel stimulus and I'm, I'm getting more benefit out of it. So that's how I approach uh, my training. Um, but if I was to, and do you want to touch on like a basic or how I would set up someone or what I would get yeah, them to do? Or... Probably, yeah, you, you could almost uh, talk about it because as, as we probably prefaced a bit is the, there's so much individual variability based on, how much time you've had training um again like so the context with your training is that your intensity ends up very intense on those active sets as opposed to um, the feeder sets and uh interestingly so this is actually the trend of what i get talking to all the guys that uh, i would say seem to know what they're doing um well, the trend I'm picking up, um, and then we'll just jump into the basic, but the trend I pick up, uh, being able to track progress effectively, um, mm-hmm. simply to help manage that progressive overload. And yeah. the second one, because I actually, uh, it's funny talking to Campbell, I had a conversation with Campbell a couple of days ago, and I, it was almost the exact same speech you had there, uh, is that uh, progressive overload can take those different forms and that's an important factor, and it might yeah. not always be adding more weight and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But being able to actually measure it and not just fatiguing yourself out, that's that's a big loss that um, a bro lifter, especially like myself in younger years, I did that all the time. It was definitely a fatiguing out before I could get to the value point. Yeah. Um, Yep. And so I think and there's that's, one uh, really big nugget to take away from that. Like that's one that, at least for me, really, I, I feel like I wish I knew that better. And I, um, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I do as well. I, I look back at, and this is why I like to advise people now. Um, mm. And, you know, if we touch on that Georgia a bit, uh, yeah. she will always probably talk about a hack set, a hack squat set that I took her through. Um, yeah. That I can quite comfortably say she buried herself on because of what I was saying to her and getting her, her to that zone. Um, but you know, when you know you're looking at training again, like for people to understand, I know what failure looks like for myself. You need to have that intensity to get there to get the benefit of how I would train. Um, if you do not then maybe the high volume approach and, you know, the more sets are, are beneficial to you. Um, that's, you know, that's important to understand because not everyone, one can take themselves there. And it's funny, like there's uh, there's that old saying where oh, Arnold actually used to say this, and this is, yeah. it's quite funny that he said this years ago um, in Pumping Iron, he said, um, I only start counting when that hurts. Oh, now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that saying, funny as it may be, uh, I call them effective reps, and those are the reps that count. So, what are your effective reps? Are your effective reps the three to four at the beginning, or are your effective reps the two to three at the end of of the set? Now, um, we talked about sets, but we didn't talk about rep ranges. Rep ranges, to me, uh, everything has a benefit, right? So. I will do sets of two. I will do sets of three reps. I will do sets of 10 to 15. I will do sets of 20. Um, the, the mindset I have is get strong across all rep ranges and as strong as you can. And this is actually, Campbell also says the exact same thing on a humorous. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah, I think me and him would, I think me and yeah. him would get along, but yeah, but that's important. Like, where the one to two reps will come into play is I want to touch a weight that I've never touched before to create a new novel stimulus. So then the next time I touch that weight, I'm going to add reps onto it. Mm. And 
that's where people, I, I think, just can't get themselves to yet. And that's okay. That's, you know, if you, you can't get yourself there yet, you will eventually. Uh, be smart around it as well. It's not saying, you know, pick up the 70 kilo dumbbells day one and go for it. Like, no, like progressive overload is never linear. It's not about picking up the heaviest weight as possible. It's about picking up the weight that your form's standardized on and accurate and then taking your muscle to perceived failure with that weight and the weight that you need to get to there. Uh, it could be 20 kilos. If it's 20 kilos, that's fine. And then you're progressing from there. That's fine. You you just, like we said at the start, like get the least out of the, well, get the most out of the least. Yeah. Um, and then, but it also doesn't mean pick up five kilos and try and make it feel like 50. That's, that's nonsense. That, that doesn't work. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. There's only yeah. so much that uh, that principle can achieve. Let's say. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's um, there's do- there's scientists that will say, oh no, no, no. Your 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 body. You know, yeah. my body knows if I'm deadlifting 300 or if I'm deadlifting yeah. 60 kilos. Sorry, um, it does. Yeah. It definitely knows. <laughs> yeah, at the Sorry. very least, it's very different. It should not be directly equated. Um, much like yeah. the extracts thing I was talking about before. Say if you do, uh, I know at one point there was this big trend. It was probably maybe eight years ago or so. We're restricted blood flow training. Um, I think oh, there's yeah. one big Oculus. one there, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And so you do like you do lighter weights with restricted blood flow, and it's undeniably going to be different. It's, it's obviously it's much harder to move something if you have less blood flow. The physiological response to that is going to be different to. Uh, the same amount of effort moving a heavier weight. I would lean towards the heavier weight myself. I haven't done the research or reading, but it doesn't make too much sense to me to uh, just change the effort in that sense, um, especially when you're no, using no, like waist clearance and, and other things. I just think um, in terms of like athletic performance and you think about it logically, why would your muscle want to be put at a disadvantage where it's not able to fully function properly. Yeah. That's um, for me well, is I, like just, yeah. At the very least, the trend has gone away and I would say there's some signal yeah. in that. It's it there's a, that effective. Look, I, I, I'll, I'll have a little rant now because there's a, yeah, there's yeah. a trend that I, I posted about a little bit ago, uh, which is the reverse banding of exercises. Um, yeah hack squatting and and things like that now for me reverse banding is such an ego move where you're you don't know like it's, a perfect example is a cybex hack squat now for me cybex hack squat is one of the hardest hack squat machines you can use period um i will always laugh at people who reverse band it because you're purposely trying to make a movement easier um for me standardize your form it's same as always and just get stronger at it and that's all you need to do you you don't need to trick yourself in thinking i'm moving four plates aside by putting a double reverse band on the end and at the bottom that's super easy that that's not where like you know you you need to take your muscle through full range of motion where it's hardest is where you're going to get the most benefit out of so why would i make it easier um yeah and i see it a lot and you know, there's people who are in my gym. There's actually a, a wellness girl who used to do it, um, and then I told her off, and I said, "You're never, you're never doing that around me again." She never does it now, but now she's been able to progress her weight up and get the benefit out of it, and she's saying it's so much harder. I'm like, "Well, yeah, of course it's going to be harder." Um, so yeah, there's there's things, there's trends, there's things out there all the time, and yeah. it's a shame. Yeah. I think um, uh, there's a lot of fancy tools out there like that, and it will have its own appropriate setting, and that's probably very, very narrow for specific mm-hmm. people, uh, maybe to do with injuries and other things like exactly. that, but it's been exactly. grossly overused. That's actually um, one of the things, again, not to bring him up too much but i talk to him too much campbell um he does a lot of kind of fancy banding and stuff and so there is an impression that he thinks this is how all of training is uh the what i've gathered from his approach on that is 
but actually that's a tiny part of the training session and it's might be just to help with some warming up of stabilization yep. joints and other thing. But uh, that that actual process in there is not um, so much directly a part of your progressive overload or anything like that. Um, and I think what he's he's putting out there, and look, I haven't spoken to him, um, but I've seen what he posts. But he's filling those gaps of what people don't see in terms of warm up and what and you know these movements that yeah. you need to do to prime a muscle and get it ready yes, um, and priming priming is yeah. key now on I'm not a hater on reverse banding it has its role yeah but I think you touched on it which is injury management and yeah. you know let's say you've got an issue in, in your hip or, or your knee and you but you're still needing to do hack squat then okay it plays a role in that but don't use it as a tool to trick yourself that's yeah. that's a mistake um, I see all the time and it, it's a shame and it's an ego thing yeah. because you see I think a great and I'll, I'll use a pitch to this guy he's a UK bodybuilder his name's James Hollingshead um, oh, he cybex yeah, I know. yeah. yeah. so he's, he cybex hack squatted uh, a few weeks ago 10 20s a side uh, which you know I do 5 to 6 a side very heavy and when I'm looking at him and going 10, 20, man, that's insane. There's no reverse band on that. There's there's no assistance. There's just him and that. Uh, I think, you know, just look at evidence, right? Look at him and go, okay, you know, people leave trails of evidence and, and results and it speaks volume. If he's doing no reverse band and he's got 36-inch quads and, you know, he's that strong, then, okay, maybe I shouldn't do them. So... That's yeah. why Ryan's on reverse family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crude indications. I, it's, it, I think it's just what happens with all of these things is that nah, they get taken out of context and a massive scale, and it's the cool and hip thing. But then in two years, we're probably going to see very little of it, and it will be yeah. just back to the selective, um, maybe priming or working around injury applications. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the, extremely agnostic, yeah. but uh, but I can see where logic doesn't hold through, um, and and also it'd be harder to track. I think that's yeah. the other thing. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I think um, there's a lot of trends. There's a lot of you'll see people do single arm movements on cable machines and making you know weight really hard, and you know looking at them going this is the, and it's it's really not that hard. For people to understand like it's not that complicated it's not those are the things that didn't build the physiques that you see um it is literally for me i i always say stick to a movement stay on that movement get as strong as you can on that for as long as you can and then when progress stalls on that and what does progress stalling on that look like it could be three to four weeks of not being able to improve in any way um, you've tried to deload, you've tried all these other things and, and I, I'm still like, okay, then swap it and use something else and then get strong on that. Um, but, you know, too too often people are trying to change things and, and look at a new way to do something uh, which it, it's just not there. So that's my kind of view on training. But then if we get into like a, a basic person who's starting or an intermediate and, and getting to start training um i would strip it right back now for me you may go okay i'm going to train three days per week and i'm going to do full body three days per week uh, one you're going to get novel stimulus from frequency and, and training muscle groups more frequently uh in that time you should be trying to one get as strong as you can uh correct form um and then progress from there that's all you should need. You shouldn't need anything further from that. You shouldn't be doing split body parts because split body parts and training like that is when you're trying to bring up something that it may be lagging. But these people need to understand your whole body is lagging. So, you know, train train the whole body and get and, and trust me, like if you're starting, you're 15, 16, 17 years old and you're just starting that is enough. Like you are going to be sore. Yeah. You are, you're going to get to a point and you know, you'll get to a point where you're not sore anymore, but that doesn't mean it's not working as well. So try not get caught up in the emotional feeling and the attachment of pain, the attachment of 
doms as they they call them and and these things because those are all just feelings but that doesn't mean you know progress or so that's how i would kind of set someone up who's starting to train and then we may progress eventually into upper and lower body days so you may go upper body one day lower body another day rest and then repeat um and and from that you you could be increasing frequency from three days per week to four days per week um, and that would be your, like your next step you can literally stay on these for two years few years and just continuously chip away at it's not fun though people go you know that's boring to me that's not fun but hey if you if you learn how to train intensely and and progressive it is fun um yeah and also i just put in the time of respect that this is a craft like anything else and that developing a craft takes time uh you've got to build that experience of just time at it um yeah like the classic uh not necessarily true but um well-known thing of that ten thousand hours principle of like it takes this amount of time before someone is generally in that master category um yeah bodybuilding probably even longer because there's so much going into like you're, you're not mastering one thing you're there's many factors um yeah but appreciating that you are in this for if you are serious you're in it for the long term and part of it is just understanding your body like that's such a big part of being a good bodybuilder is just understanding your body and and then utilizing that and pushing it in the gym yeah i i couldn't say it better really like i i think the advice i give people is just don't follow the sheep don't do what everyone else does enjoy it enjoy the process have fun most important um but start strip it right back and start from there like you could be an advanced trainer like you could be training for 10 years but never know perceived failure and never train properly go back to the basics do upper body or upper lower bodies uh, or do full body um and then from there you know once you get to upper lower then i would progress into like a push pull leg split um and i don't think you need to go further than that mine's a bit modified based on individual needs but if you're training properly you can get your basics covered you can cover everything you don't need to go past that um if you're getting into like split body parts i would say that you're very advanced heavily muscled um and you need to be very specific on what you need to bring up and that's why you're training that way uh but not you know a lot of the pros nowadays aren't training that so you know yeah. again evidence speaks and and follow what you see uh, but that's how i would set things up and then from there in terms of like what you're monitoring it's about pushing up and pulling down in terms of body weight and uh you know for me it's like okay how much weight can i put on before i'm fat that's as the stance and then i'm pulling back down uh, I work with Connor on this. It's like we we have a good understanding. We we tested things like we did holding phases of holding a body weight. Like I I got up to a, a nighttime weight of 107, 108 kilos, um, and you know at 170 centimeters that's quite heavy. Um, yeah. And we did a period of holding it. Now the problem with that was you hold this weight and you're not improving on anything because you're not you're not getting leaner, you're not getting stronger, you're purposely trying to solidify a weight that's really not going to solidify. So, you know, my approach, and Jordan Peters talks about this a lot now, which is uh, why I think, you know, listening to him on training is really important. It's just pushing up to a, a body weight where you're not obviously overly fat and it's not taken, it's not come on too quickly. You may go a 20 to 30 week period, pushing up 15 to 20 kilos, and then pull back down to a very lean state and then going again and then just approaching it that way pushing up pulling down pushing up pulling down and eventually those weights that you push back up to you'll be leaner at that weight and you'll yeah it, it will look different and and that's how i approach it so we're in a uh pull down phase now uh getting leaner and we've lost give or take six kilos ish um and you, you saw the photo I uploaded today. I'm in yeah. a, a very comfortable body fat level and we're going to get quite lean um, and then we'll push back up. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I think that speaks uh, quite well to pretty much all physiological kind of uh, homeostasis principles, where uh, for the most part, um, people that think the body knows what is right, that is the biggest joke in the world. That's kind of a, uh, that's naturalist fallacy. But what is true is that the body does seem, we have this idea that the the body seems to trend towards historical norms. It, it likes to pull you back to its historical norm. And so by doing what you're doing with that building up and holding it and pulling down and build, but like you're not pulling down so far that you ended up way yeah, back close to the start. Like yeah. what you're doing is you're creating a slowly incrementing historical norm, which yeah. within reason, just from my point of uh, not even in muscular, on cognitive, on um, on simple, like you view receptors in the body, all those things seem to follow that pattern where you just build that historical norm. And over time, your body likes to be at that historical norm. And mm-hmm. so uh, I translate that to myself, say on the cognitive side, I think about that a lot and trying to create a historical norm where I'm actually slowly incrementing uh, receptor densities and other things in the direction I want. I can't measure it as well as you guys can um, yet. One of these days, um, brain stuff will be different, but uh, I think that principle translates really well across the board to pretty much everything within our body though so that that is quite a pleasing um concept at least in my head yeah it's um it's fun for me because you know right now um a little over uh well during the day i'm a bit over 100 kilos and it's the most comfortable i've felt at this weight and to the point where look i i can do my shoes up i can do things that people go man that's like basic but trust me when you're pushing out and, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll say now, like, my last stage weight, mind you, I pulled down too much, but I was, like, 82 kilos. So to push up 26 kilos um, and get to that weight it was uncomfortable. It was hard, mm. and it wasn't fun. Uh, now I'm hungry all the time, and I'm, I'm mobile, and I feel like I did when I was 82 kilos. And it's like, well, okay, you know, I, I feel like that, but I'm 20 kilos heavier, so... Like you said, it's it's the right way. I think it's the right way to approach things. Um, you know, yeah. even we'll see. Like if I've put on more tissue, and you know, if it, at the end of it, uh, I look at myself and go, "Okay, yep, yep, that's worked." Then there you go. Yeah, it's it's it like like with the progressive overload, though. It is just a steady progress over time thing, and so I guess the inverse what we see with people. And I can think of a good number of case studies off the cuff because we just see customers pop in, you know, once every couple of months or once a month. Uh, yeah. The people making progress are the ones that have that incremental type idea. Yeah. The ones that are not, they are puffing themselves up really big and then dropping themselves down really, really low. And then they keep repeating that. And yeah. so their historical baseline is the same and the same way why they're not getting progress yeah so you see it you see it with people on stage um competing and competing too frequently and uh having to have that feeling of being on stage like for me it all goes back to i don't really care about the stage um i just i like the the process and the physique in the end and i do it for myself like um yeah, I stay pretty covered up. The the most you'll see me not covered up is on my Instagram, and it's private. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the people we yeah. see are the are my friends and people who I genuinely don't mind showing what I'm doing because they they get interested and they ask me questions and they go, "Oh man, this is this is cool." And a lot of the people on there that were in college with me and they see me now and they go, "Well, geez, like this guy's put on." you know, 40 kilos since we, we saw what did he, what did he do? Yeah. So that was 10 years ago. That's, yeah. that's what, that's what I did. So. Yeah, you did yeah. quite a lot. Um, yeah, that's yeah, a lot. A lot of food, a lot of... Um, but yeah, it's uh, on that, just on the, on the food subject as well for people, like uh, it's progressive as well. So like uh, people need to understand like as you get bigger, your energy demands get bigger, the need for more gets more. So be prepared for that 
as well. Like not only are you think, you know, if you're thinking of bodybuilding and you're going to go down the unnatural route, but you prepared of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take pharmacology. I'm going to take supplements, but then my body demand, as I get bigger, I'm going to need more. Uh, potentially you may need more of PEDs as well. So you're consistently, you're, you're, you're battling on two ends and you're consistently needing more in the gym. Okay. I'm needing to progress more as well. So when you say that to someone like, Oh, do I really want to do that? Uh, that's when they start thinking, um, actually I don't. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's important to just tell people is like, just be ready. Otherwise just enjoy the lifestyle, right? Just, yeah. you know, go to the gym, do it for yourself, be fit and healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I would love to get back to the point one day where I get back into martial arts, I will pull off a lot of weight. Um, and enjoy life and have a kid with my partner and and you know enjoy yeah. enjoy things but i've i've still got goals i want to tick off now uh yeah being one is a new zealand record in deadlifting which i will do um but there's there's things i yeah i want to tick off surely yeah. you're not very far from that for body weight range no no like for um the strongman record i believe it's 330 uh for under 105 which i i can do I know I can do that. So um, that's something that's on my, I, I think for me, I always have bucket items that I want to tick off. And that's something I, I definitely want to do. And I spoke to Connor, so we're thinking December will be a good time to do it. Mm. Um, on that, like I, I think because deadlifting is a huge passion of mine, I will just give some, and I gave some cues on my story a few days ago um, yeah, around deadlifting. Yeah. Um, and it's what's helped me the most. So like for me on deadlifting, what I try and do is I try and get as strong as I can on leg pressing. Um, the range of what well, I guess foot placement and how I leg press is identical to how I deadlift. So if you watch how I deadlift and you watch how I leg press, it's the same movement. Um, so the mindset of when I'm attacking a bar for deadlifting is I'm trying to press the floor away. Um, I guarantee people, if you get very strong at leg pressing, you will get a good deadlift. That it, it will happen. Um, and the benefits of leg pressing is you can effectively load the machine uh, safely, take yourself to perceived failure or, or failure, and load the muscle uh, without the risk of your, you know, squatting and and potential yeah. other things taking in, in there. So, you know, those are kind of cues that I, I talked about a little bit on deadlifting because I see a lot of people do it um, and then just not understand how do I get better at it. Um, there's that there's people who say, oh, just deadlift and you'll get better at deadlifting. And it's like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you, of course you need to do the movement, but that's not how to tick every box. Um, and then understand biomechanically, how do I deadlift? Like there's sumo deadlifting, um, which people do that for me is an adductor bias movement so when you when you're leg, leg pressing you know do a stance that's wider uh, mm. use the range of motion that are going to acquire the muscle groups that you're using during this this deadlift so if you sumo deadlift now if you narrow stance conventional deadlift like I do same thing narrow stance leg press um, and I will I will say on this as well for females who are listening and if they are potentially listening uh a lot of females i see when they leg press they do hide it high and wide thinking oh that's how i'm going to build my butt build the peach and, yeah. and grow but if you think about it mechanically and look at the range of motion and, and muscle movements using you're not using as much of your glute max as you want to so you should be doing narrow stance uh full range of motion and you're going to bias your glutes more um, than if you were doing wise stuff. So that's just like a few like tips and, and tricks I would say to people. Um, and then with, with deadlifting, it, again, it's just, it comes down to trying to not be afraid of the movement. It's uh, the biggest, it's the yeah. biggest, I will, I will say it's the biggest mindfuck movement that you can do because yeah. until I pulled 300, I couldn't, like I, I couldn't do it. Now I can do it regularly. It's easy. So the body was always able to do it, but it was the mind that just couldn't, couldn't do it. Yeah, 
I believe uh, it'd be safe to say there's a lot of uh, muscle memory that comes into play because there is so much uh, interplay between different muscle groups at different stages of the lift, um, which I think is also what makes it scary to a beginner because as a beginner, I remember actually like this was, I would have been 15 uh, mm-hmm. when we were first in the gym with the bros, we're all super excited and we're trying to work out how the hell you even deadlift. And this is before, yeah. so like, like there was social media that, uh, well, we weren't using it. It wasn't as big a thing. We were just trying to find like YouTube clips or stuff like that. It was, it was a bit of a mission to find. And it's, um, individual needs as well. So like when you think of deadlifting, think of the moment parts of the movement that you get stuck in and are hard and then get work around those and go, okay, what movements can make those easier? So like, for example, maybe the top end of the movement is hard for you. So you might consider a rack pull and, and training that motion and getting stronger at that and explosiveness out of the rack pull, because maybe it's on the ground, you can get it up, but you just can't get it extended. So it's individual needs. It all comes down to that. Um, but, you know, for for me, um, it's a staple and, and understanding like a, a hip hinge movement, you know, bang for buck in terms of what you're going to get out of it is probably the most important, um, especially for ladies out there if you're wanting to build your glutes and your posterior chain, um, you're going to get a lot of benefit out of there because of the amount of recruitment that your glutes you know, use from it. So, yeah, great movement, super fun. Uh, kills me every time, but I love it. 